Mike check one two one two. A taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver, and we back for another episode. I've been pre-gaming for a bit. So I'm gonna let the music play. I've been pre-gaming for a minute. I've been pre-gaming pretty much all day. <laughs> yes. Say stick and sit a podcast. I've been pre-gaming all day, but right now I'm in the boom boom room. Rips boom boom room. Pre-gaming. Got the cigar. I got the tequila. I've been drinking tequila pretty much all day. So I gotta keep it going. Got the Jay-Z playing. Taste to consider podcast. It's your boy. I'm back for another episode. Let me turn off all the gadgets. Let me turn off the uh, air purifier. I got to have that going when I'm smoking in the basement. Got to keep the air clean, you know. Back for another episode. Another week ending. Another week beginning. Let's go. Let's start the show. Like I said, I've been pre-gaming all day, so I don't think this is going to be <laughs> another too lit, too fast episode, but we was almost there earlier. <laughs> oh, man. I feel good. I'm glad to be back. Um, glad to be back to bring another episode to you guys, uh, some more of my my opinions, some more of my feelings, just some, you know, conversation, some commentary. You know how we do. Let's start the show. It's a Taste to Consider podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver, and I'm back, back for another episode. Yes, indeed. As I said, we back for another episode, and yeah, I told y'all I've been pre-gaming all day. Um, I'm in the basement right now. I'm drinking some uh, tequila, uh, Terramana tequila. I was drinking tequila early. I don't know what it was. I was out early, you know. Um, I don't know what tequila they had in the margarita, but, you know, margarita rip is on the mic right now. <laughs> um yeah, that's her amount of tequila. I had it before on the show, so. Right now, I'm smoking um, uh, Punch Cigar Grand Cru. I'm pretty much damn, shit, I'm damn near finished the cigar. I mean, I was smoking it while I was pre-gaming. And it's, it's down to the end right now, so. Um, yeah, you won't have to worry about me taking too many puffs while I'm recording the show. Uh, I got a, a short list right now uh, for the show. Um, short list, 
we'll see how long it takes for me to go through everything. Um, a lot of things have happened. Of course, there's always something happening. So, you know, there's always something I can talk about on the podcast. But, you know, I'll talk about the things that interest me, um, things that caught my eye. Um, this cigar is pretty good, punch cigar. I went to uh, Total Wine earlier, and I always knew they sold cigars, but I never knew that they sold packs. Like, um, excuse me, that's the first burp of the show. And I think this is like the first burp that I've had, excuse me, that's two burps, since I've been pre-gaming. It's crazy how I get on the mic and them burps start flowing. But it's a part of the show, so, you know, we going to let it flow. Um... As I was saying, I was at Total Wine. I always knew they sold cigars, but I didn't know that they sold packs. And what I mean by packs is uh, particular brands have like a, a pack of cigars. Uh, maybe like it was four, it was between four and six cigars and packs, depending on the brand. And they have, you know, like a good price for them. So I, I got a pack of these punch cigars. Um, I was going through looking at the cigars, and for some reason that punch that punch pack kept, uh, you know, calling out to me. So I just grabbed that pack. And it was like, uh, I believe it was five or six cigars in there. It's across the room right now, but I'm smoking one. But the one that I'm smoking, as I said, it's a um, punch Grand Cru cigar. It's a good cigar. It's uh, real light. It's real light. Not a strong taste. I mean, I'm pretty much damn near finished it, like I said. I'm drinking tequila. Um, I stuck with the tequila uh, for today because I didn't want to mix. Because that probably would have been a too lit, too fast episode. So I'm sticking to the tequila. Um, Terramana tequila, that's the Rock's tequila. The Rock meaning Dwayne Johnson. Um, I bought some margarita mix to, to uh, mix with it. I love margaritas. Yeah, I just love margaritas. That's good. Yeah. Um, let's get to the show. Ah, man. I appreciate everybody for listening to the last show, all the people that hit me up to let me know that it was a great show. Um, I know it was <laughs> it was a little long. Um, I pretty much, you know, um, I don't try to regulate too much of how long I'm going to record. You know, I just let it flow the way it's going to flow. If you listen to it, you listen to it. If you don't, you don't. I, you know, I feel like every show that I do is great shows. Um, not even feel. I know they are great shows. Um, this show was particularly longer, almost two hours. Um, but like I said, I appreciate everybody who's listened to it, all the people who hit me up. And let me know that it was a great show. I appreciate y'all so much. I appreciate everybody who uh, shared the show as well. Shared it on Instagram. And if you shared it word of mouth or whatever, I appreciate you. If you want to support the show, follow me at Taste to Consider Podcast on Instagram, greatestiamblog.com. Uh, That's my mental health blog. Instagram, greatest.i.am.blog. Um, yeah, I appreciate my for real, I appreciate the love. It's, it's, it's no way, um, there's no other way I can say that. I appreciate the love. 
But as I said, I have a short list of things I want to talk about. But we'll see how long, you know, I'll have commentary on on some things, you know. It's a lot of it's some things that's been going on. <laughs> and uh we'll start with the uh the Boulder, Colorado shooting. Um another we had another mass shooting in the United States. Um last show I talked about the mass shooting that happened in uh Georgia at the massage parlors with the um Eight people that were killed, six of them being Asian women. This mass shooting, um, I'm not sure about the number. I didn't really look up the number, but I kept, you know, I kept like a little general um, eye on what was going on. And let's see. You know, I got my notes and stuff. So, as I said, it was a, a mass shooting in Boulder, Colorado. Um, it was at a King um, King Supers uh, grocery store in Boulder, Colorado, and they apprehended the person, of course. But it was a tragedy. Um, I know for sure, um, as far as outside of the numbers of who, the numbers of actually how many people were killed, um, I know for sure that, okay, it says 10 dead in supermarket shooting. Um, And out of that 10, there was a police officer that was uh, killed as well. tragic situation uh my heart goes out my heart and prayers goes out to the families those who were affected by the shooting um but what i did notice that the reason why i have it on the list of topics for tonight is because of the shooter um it was a lot of back and forth going on as to what his race and ethnicity was, you know, um, at first, you know, people were saying that he was a white male, and then you had a lot of the mainstream media coming out saying that, you know, he wasn't a white male, he was a, um, he was from Syria, so, um, I don't know what they were trying to say with that, because based off of him checking the boxes, here in the United States, he would check the white box. So, <laughs> you know, um, it was so much argument going on or back and forth going on as to what his race was as opposed to him killing 10 people as well as a police officer. He was apprehended without any type of um, any type of escalation or any type of <laughs> any type of, you know, shooting between him and the police, which is kind of significant, I believe, because I always thought, you know, when a police officer is killed, them police be going after them shooters. But that wasn't the case. You know, he was apprehended peacefully without any type of altercations, you know, no back and forths. 
even after killing a police officer, you know, but the narrative is still has been, you know, that he wasn't a white man, you know, he was from Syria. I don't know if that is, if he was, if they are considering him a, a person, of him being Arab or not, but, you know, if he checked that box over here, he is considered white. <laughs> and that's why I always talk about, you know, Black, white, that has nothing to do with race or ethnicity. That's, that has to do with class. You know, over, over here in the United States, black has no standing at law. And we know that from the Dred Scott uh, case, the Dred Scott ruling. You can look all that, that up. You know, use your Googles. I don't have to be here to tell y'all everything. You know, just use your Googles. So... More of the white privilege. I mean, I don't know how much more we can go back and forth with that. Um, even though he's considered Syrian to the white, I mean, to the mainstream media, you know, politically, you know, uh, in in America, legally, politically, and socially, he, he is a white man. And... There's no way around that. <laughs> As I've stated plenty of times before, um, when I talked about uh, Hispanics and stuff like that, you know, a lot of them consider themselves to be white and stuff, you know. It's more privilege in being white. So I just wanted to start off the show with that. Something, you know, something light, light and white. <laughs> but, um... Moving on, the Biden hotels, the Biden hotels, yes, the Biden hotels. President Joe Biden allocated $86 million, an $86 million contract for hotel rooms for 1,200 immigrant families that were sitting at the border. My question is, why are... Why is this money allocated to these white immigrant families when back in January there was an article in ABC News that, you know, said that more than 50 percent of homeless families are black? And that was a government report. The government report found, you know, found that 50 percent of homeless families are black. And this is what I'm talking about. I've I've discussed this plenty of times. I mean, I'm tired of discussing it. I mean, <laughs> this administration continues to do more for immigrants as well as just other communities, immigrants, Hispanics, Latinos, Asian Americans, but they won't do nothing for black people. Black people, which they, which put them in office, you know. And this is where we keep talking about our votes count, our votes count, but we just keep giving them votes away freely without any type of set, (laughs) without any set, you know, It's frustrating. 
It's frustrating. I ain't going to lie to you. It's frustrating. I just don't understand why we keep giving our votes away and we're not getting none for it. We have the power. We see, we see how important our votes are with all the stuff that's going on with Georgia right now, with, with the law that they just passed with the voter suppression in Georgia. After Georgia basically put Democrats over the top to have the Senate majority, but we're not getting that for it. I mean, so I don't understand. And then the crazy thing about it is, we, t you know, you have uh, politicians and stuff uh, talk about how Trump was, uh, particularly the liberals, Democrats, was talking about how Trump was deporting uh, people and stuff like that. But Biden is doing the same thing. Biden, he's like... <laughs> I'm confused. I'm really confused. One minute he's deporting immigrants, and the next he's giving $86 million to house immigrants. So I'm confused at what's going on right now. And I talked about it a, f a few shows ago. I believe it was uh, in season two um, when Joe Biden was talking to the quote-unquote black leadership, and he was talking about how you know, we need to start aligning aligning ourselves with the uh, Hispanics, uh, Latino community. Excuse me, burp number three. But honestly, I feel like, you know, they understand that by them bringing over this population of immigrants uh, Hispanic immigrants that they can use that as their base. They know the amount of people who the amount of immigrants that try to come over here on a regular basis and they want to use that to build their base for their future. Instead of them giving us tangible reparations or anything, just something they ride to build a base of immigrants across the border to keep their party, to keep, you know, to build a sort of a strength of their party, you know, to keep their, their party going, to keep their party in power. But they don't give us nothing. So... What are we going to do? I don't know. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, recently, I was on um, I was on my Fire Stick, and I saw that a new show was popping up on uh, Amazon Prime, and the show is called Dim. Um, it it will be on Amazon Prime April 9th. And the person that is behind the show is Lena Waithe. And there was a lot of talk about this show on social media. Particularly, uh, I saw a lot of the talk on uh, Twitter. I saw the preview of the show. And the show looked interesting. I'm not going to lie. 
I was intrigued by the show. But at the same time, I noticed that it was more of the same thing that we always get when it comes to a black show. It was more of it was a more trauma based show. I call it trauma horror. It's trauma horror. I mean, the show is about um if you haven't seen the uh trailer already, the show is gonna be about a black family moving to a Compton neighborhood in the I believe the sixties, the nineteen sixties, and they're basically the first black family in that neighborhood. And the white people in that neighborhood are going to be terrorizing them. More of the same that we've always seen, whether it's slave movies or anything, is always trauma. You know, we, as I stated on the last show, like they market, they market this stuff to us. We're marketed this stuff by Hollywood, whether it comes from white showrunners, white movie directors, or even our own people, the black showrunners or black, black movie directors. It is a thing. It is a thing to keep marketing that trauma to our community. But I'm not going to lie. I'm intrigued by the show. I'm intrigued by the show uh, because it's something different than what we normally get when it comes to the trauma horror. Usually we get the slave narratives and stuff like that, or we get biopics when it comes to civil rights um, leaders or civil rights um settings but this one is, is is something different it has to do with the uh real estate it has to do with you know moving into communities and dealing with um i would guess i would say uh desegregation so i'm intrigued by what's what the show is going to be about. So I'm curious to see see it. But I understand, you know, people who are hesitant about watching it and as well as it being the same narrative of it being trauma horror. So I understand. But if you haven't seen the trailer already, the show is called Dim. And it will be coming on Amazon Prime Video April 9th. So check the um check that trailer out. Should be interesting. Another thing bringing up <laughs> last show, which um I was kind of shocked. I was kind of shocked after seeing it was um I brought up Tamika Mallory who is one of the uh leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement. I talked about how she was on the Grammy Award ceremony and she was on stage with Little Baby when he did his performance and stuff and how there's more, you know, symbolism and stuff like that. And I talked about how, you know, these activists are more concerned about being famous as opposed to being activists. And to my surprise, I believe it was yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. A Cadillac commercial came out. If you haven't seen this yet, is is you can just look it up. Do your Googles. A Cadillac commercial came up with Tamika Mallory in it. She was the the star of the commercial, where she was talking about you know black women and black women power and stuff. 
but it was an advertisement for Cadillac. <laughs> and I'm like, this is exactly what I was talking about. <sighs> I don't understand. Like, we be having this stuff right in our face, but we will continue to let it pass. And it's like, we, we're only concerned about being included in, in stuff as opposed to really helping the community or progressing the community. So I'm gonna play a clip where she actually defended the, herself from all the criticism that was going on when it has to do with the Grammys and stuff. So let me pull that clip up. The Grammys. I don't owe anyone an explanation for why I was invited to the Grammys. That's right. Because for 25 years of my life, I have worked. And for 20 of those years, I was, you know, I was basically working for other individuals and being sort of behind the scenes. Uh, the fact that I made it to the Grammy stage or was invited to be, I didn't call the Grammys. I didn't call Little Baby, who I appreciate so much for including me and, and Fatima Robinson and Jesse Collins and others. I did not call them. They called me and they called me because for 25 years of my life, I have been on the ground doing the work of um, in communities and they know that. And that's why I was invited there. I've heard people say that somehow I'm canceled. You cannot cancel what God has called. And the reason Amen. why I know I have been called is because there have been so many attempts to destroy me, to discredit my work, and to try to move me out of the way. And I'll be honest with you, that when situations like this happen, I don't always feel like getting up and getting back in the fight. But every single time that I begin to feel weary, God comes and instills in me and puts in me and motivates me to get back in the fight. We all get tired sometimes. Right. We all get beat down sometimes. But every single time that I think, you know what, that's an, I can't do it anymore. I need to, I'm pretty smart. I could go work anywhere. But for whatever reason, God continues to elevate me and to put me in position within the work that I am currently doing. And I know, again, that I have been chosen to do this work and that I have no choice but to do this work because every single time, every single time that the naysayers get together and that people try to take me out, instead of me actually being buried, I continue to grow. And I just want to say to all of you, those of you who are saying that I need to stop and I need to move out the way and I need to do all these things, growth is exactly what I intend to do. I'm not going backwards. I'm going forward. And every single opportunity that I believe in that God puts before me, I'm going to take. So you think that you being on the Grammy stage has anything? See, so to me when I I heard that I heard I heard that this morning. I mean, I just woke up in the morning. Usually I don't touch my phone in the morning. I go straight to my affirmations and meditation and stuff, but I saw that first thing in the morning and I'm I'm sitting there thinking like, what does that have to do with activism? You sitting here trying to defend yourself for being on the Grammy stage. She's in here basically saying, I worked 25 years to get on the Grammy stage. That's basically what it, what I took from it. I mean, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm open to that. But that's what I took from what she said. She worked 25, she did all this hard work for 25 years to get on the Grammy stage. 
So it's nothing, you know, it's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what more I can say. I just look at it, you know, differently. I mean, you're on the Grammy stage. Okay. You do this Cadillac commercial, and we know it's a, it's a thing around black people with Cadillacs. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's a thing with black people in Cadillacs, and she's sitting here doing a, a commercial with Cadillac. How do you feel that you can defend something like that? I mean, if if activism is 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 what you're about, did you make any kind of concession with with Cadillac to say you need to put this amount of uh money into these uh programs or into these communities for me to do this ad you know I mean she could have but I haven't heard anything about it I mean it could be coming later I don't know like I said I'm open to being wrong I'm open to being wrong but from the initial looks of things it seems like she's just trying to get a come up and she is saying, particularly from that clip, that she worked hard to get this come up. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I'm always open to being wrong. <laughs> I'm always open to learn. I love learning. I do. But the initial look of things is that that's not what it's about. She is looking for to come up, you know. We are, like I like I said on the last show, we all human. So I can get that, you know, people want to be in the spotlight, you know, people want to be popular and all that other stuff. I I can understand the allure, the attraction of it. Everybody wants to be a social media star these days. That's that's the world we live in right now. That's the world we live in. I talked about it even in the mental health advocacy community. People want to be popular. People want to be a star. People want to be seen. And particularly when it comes to the black community, dealing with the white community, we want to be included for some reason. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, our worth is some shit. Our self-worth and our self-value is some shit to the point that we fight so much to be included with the white community, the the community that represents white privilege, the community that represents white supremacy. We want to be involved in that. And that comes down to what I always talk about, and I know y'all know what, what some of y'all know what I'm about to say, the Willie Lynch syndrome. <laughs> I mean, shit, it's, that's what it is. We were programmed ever since then based off of the Willie Lynch syndrome, the Willie Lynch theory, that we want to be rubbing shoulders, rubbing elbows, whatever the saying is, with the system of white supremacy. That's how that's how I fucked up our our 
self-value, our self-worth is. We don't look, we don't, we don't look at ourselves as worthy enough to stand on our own. We don't. I mean, let's sit back and think about it. We don't. We want to be included. We always want to be included. But I digress, and we'll move on to the main topic of the show. Yes, the main topic of the show. (laughs) And this has been talked about so daggone much to the point where I'm so tired of hearing about it, so tired of seeing it on social media. But of course, I have a podcast, so I have to talk about it. Let's go. Call how it is. This is a taste to consider podcast. Yeah, Yo, Percocet, Miley Percocet, Percocet, Miley Percocet, Rep the set, gotta rep the set, chase a chick, Yes. How that song correlates with this next topic. The main topic of the podcast, Mask Off. Yes, we're moving into the Derek Jackson conversation. I'm so tired of hearing about this nigga. Excuse my language. I'm so tired of hearing about him. I'm so tired of seeing him. I'm so tired of seeing everything that has to do with him. But I told y'all this what what he was about. I mean, <laughs> I mean honestly, the human side of me is 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 kind of like um sitting in a bed of flowers sitting on a cloud of of knowing that this was going to happen <laughs> i'm i'm feeling that i'm feeling uh a, a euphoric feeling of knowing that this was going to happen dirk jackson the what should i call him the relationship guru yes and i'm not going to lie I contemplated whether I I was even going to talk about him or not, or talk about this situation. Because who am I to to judge him? As I've stated on this podcast before, I have cheated before. I have been cheated on before. I know what it feels like. I know, you know, I know what it feels like to be done to me. I know what it feels like to do it. I know the shame that I have felt to do it. I know the embarrassment that... I've felt of doing it or it being done to me. So who am I to sit here and judge him? So I contemplated going back and forth whether I was even going to talk about this, you know. But I said to myself, you know, I'm going to come from a different angle on this this conversation because of what I represent, uh, what I wanted to achieve with my with my platform. And that is the empowerment, the uh, growth, the healing of black men. And Dirk Jackson 
needs a lot of healing. He needs a lot of growth. I mean, I can go on and on about this situation. So let me preface this by saying I'm not defending Dirk Jackson. I'm not defending anything that he did. I'm not defending cheating. I'm not defending um, stepping out on your woman, stepping out on your marriage. None of that. I'm not prefacing that. I am just going to go through my thoughts about the situation from all angles because I believe that this situation provides a lesson for all of us, all of us, because nobody is perfect. Nobody is perfect. So I may be jumping around on different things that has to do with the situation, but it is sincerely coming from my heart. I meditated on this. I prayed on this to figure out exactly how I was going to speak on this. <sighs> so, if you don't know who Dirk Jackson is, he was a self-proclaimed um, relationship guru. He uh, particularly focused his relationship advice towards women. And I've talked about this plenty of times before, these Steve Harvey-ass niggas. Excuse my language. <laughs> I talked about this before, about how you have these guys who will market their message towards women, and they will do it because they will be playing off of your emotions. Ladies, listen to me. This stuff is playing off of your emotions. If Dirk Jackson was really concerned about getting people right in their relationships and stuff, he would have been focusing on the empowerment, the healing, the self-acknowledgement, the self-awareness of black men to get themselves right in order to be in a relationship. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Everybody might not agree with me. I don't really care. I'm to the point now where I don't care. I don't. You can agree with me or not, but I know I'm standing on a platform of what I'm saying to be true and to be right. I'm sorry. I, I've never, you know, I'm not the type of person that do this. I'm usually always concerned about doing the right things to look right for others and stuff like that to downgrade myself and to downgrade my voice. But I'm, not, I'm tired of doing that shit. <laughs> so, Dirk Jackson, self-proclaimed relationship guru. Had his books and all of that. We've talked about Dirk Jackson before on the Unproductive and Unapologetic podcast. <laughs> I've talked about him on this podcast. Or... The Steve Harvey effect, the Steve Harvey niggas, as I say, on this podcast. Because it's a thing. Let's be honest. It's a thing. These, these guys, particularly black males, who will cater to black women with their message to get popularity, to get praise, or whatever. That's what they're doing. Because if they were really concerned about black women, they would have been trying to get the black man right first. Listen to what I'm saying. 
You can't go into any relationship, romantic, platonic, work, whatever, any relationship without having yourself right first. And when I say right, I'm not meaning whole or complete because there will always be some type of healing you will have to go through. But when you don't have a specific foundation in place, you're going to fuck up some shit. And I'm talking from experience. So, Dirk Jackson got caught up. He got caught up because of a particular blogger. Um, Her name is, uh, what is it? Unwind with Todd. With Tasha K. Um, let me uh, pull up her Instagram exactly so I can say it right. Because this is a thing too. This is this is this is something that needs to be discussed as well. Her name is Unwind with Tasha K. And she's on Instagram. She has a YouTube page where she does all her gossip, her gossip uh, stories and stuff like that. Um, she, she proclaims herself as a news personality, unwind with Tasha K. And I don't know what Dirk Jackson did to her, but she has it out for him. She has a vendetta on him to the point where she felt the need to expose him. And that says a lot right there. And I'm not saying all this to dismiss what Dirk Jackson did in his marriage. But what I'm saying is when you get to the point where You're going out of your way, dedicating your life to expose a person. What does that say about you? What does that say about your character? You're so entrenched, engulfed into another person's life that you're, you're trying to expose them. That says a lot about your character already. And a lot of people are caught up into that. You see a lot of people on her page commenting on the stuff that she's posting, on her YouTube videos and stuff like that. They're caught up into it. People love misery with company. I've talked about this before, about even, I I always use this this as an example. Murray J. Blige, when she was making her her music when she first came out or whatever, all of it was, was, had to do with negativity in relationships and stuff like that. Soon as she got to the point where she got happy and she was in a relationship, her sales went down. People wasn't feeling it and all that other stuff to the point where she had to go back to that negative shit. Like, there is a thing. Misery does really love company. Misery loves company. People love to, to, to see and to feel other people going through, through some shit that they have gone through or going through. So they don't feel as though they're the only ones. I mean, check yourselves. We need to check ourselves. I mean, we know this is a thing. <laughs> People feed off of that. Gossip is one of the lower, the lowest forms of of expression you can have. You know, that is some that's some hateful type shit. You know what I'm saying? That's that's a that's a low vibration type shit. Gossip and feeding off of other people's pain and stuff. And that's what people are doing in this case. And you have to question her why she is so invested in this. 
really, why is she so invested in 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 to bringing him down? Because when it comes down to all the things that that he's done or he's doing, it will come to light eventually. But she went out her way to go after him, and she's reveling in that. You know, she her her following is becoming bigger because of that. And this comes to this aligns with Dirk Jackson and branding. She's so caught up into exposing him and stuff to build her brand, as well as him trying to keep his brand going by coming out and having his public apology and including his wife in his public apology. That's, I mean, he should have been doing that apology by himself, honestly. But he had to drag his wife into it. Excuse me. I don't know what birth that is. Y'all can count it. He had to drag his wife into it to make it look better. That was a buffer. You know, when you go to the bowling alley and, you know, you usually throw some gutter balls, but you put them bumpers up there so you can, so you won't get no gutter balls and you can continue to play. That's what his wife was. His wife was those bumpers right there. You know what I'm saying? He he didn't want to mess this this apology up, so he had to bring his wife into it. And if you haven't seen the apology, go look it up or whatever. But I know plenty of people who listen to this podcast have seen the apology and seen how <laughs> how strong he was holding his his wife's hand and stuff, and the the look on his wife's face and how uncomfortable she looked and the the tiredness in her eyes she had and all that, her demeanor as well, you know. She was tired. (laughs) But, you know, as I said, you got to be careful about these dudes who go out their way to make other guys look bad, you know. It's a thing about guys trying to make themselves look like they're the good guy in comparison to other guys to get women. That's a thing. It really is a thing. And it's deeper than just trying to get some a little attention. And that's the reason why I decided to discuss all of this. The way I look at Derek Jackson is he may be a narcissist. He really may be a narcissist. I've discussed on this podcast plenty of times that people have narcissistic tendencies and there are narcissistic people. Narcissistic tendencies being connected to just being part of this society that we live in and being programmed by certain things. But narcissists being a totally another thing, that's, that's just on another level than just having narcissistic tendencies. I believe Dirk Jackson is a narcissist. You know, I'm speaking this just based off of opinion, not off of off of uh, an official medical diagnosis or anything like that. But I feel as though he's a narcissist. I mean, he is. <laughs> I mean, that's just how I see. Um, do I feel as though that he can be cured of that or healed from that? I don't know. I'm I'm not a professional, you know. That's why when I talk about mental health stuff, I only speak from my experiences and what I've learned from it. But 
based off of things that I've I've known about him and things that I've learned about him over time, even before this tragedy, I feel as though that he has some healing to do, some deeper stuff. He grew up in a single family, uh, single parent home with just his mother. His dad wasn't around. He said he said this himself, how his dad, um, you know, um, disrespected his mom, cheated on his mom, all that other stuff, abandoned him and stuff. So he could be dealing with some type of abandonment issues or rejection or, you know, self-worth or self-love, self-value, stuff like that. Because when you look at the this, this situation uh, on a surface level, he was doing all of this to get attention from women. When all of this blew up into his face, you kind of see it as he was trying to get attention from women. And I've talked about this all the time. Some dudes are not used to having attention. So when they get it, I mean, it feels lovely. It's the goes back to the when I've talked about the ugly duckling stage. Some guys aren't used to getting attention. And I feel as though that he wasn't used to getting attention. So he got to the point where he had some status. He had a popularity and stuff. You know, that attention was lovely, you know. He was getting attention that he never got before. He's in Atlanta. You know, Atlanta got the, the um, is the epicenter of, of is, is pretty much the new chocolate city. I'm in the old chocolate city in the DMV, the, the D.C., Maryland, uh, Virgi Northern Virginia area, which was, you know, D.C. was the original chocolate city. So now he's in the new chocolate city where all the the black people are congregating, moving to and stuff like that. So he's getting a lot of attention. You know, it's a, it's, celeb it's, it's some type of celebrity out there, whether it be um, D on down to Z <laughs> celebrity, but it's some, you know, it's, it's happening in Atlanta. So he's getting attention that he never got before. You know, he's he's making moves with the books. He's getting attention on social media and stuff like that. You know, that could go to your head. Everybody is not built for that, you know. He's getting this attention from these ladies he never get before. They got these new bubbles that they got, you know, from the surgeons and stuff. <laughs> You know, this is something this is something new to him, you know, this attention. So it gone to his head. You know, even when he was doing the apology stuff, he was talking in third person. This Bama actually did a comment. If you know who Dirk Jackson is, he does a lot of commentary videos off of other people's videos. This Bama did a commentary video off of the apology he did with his wife. He did a commentary video of the apology he did with his wife. I'm repeating that for significance. <laughs> and he talked about himself in third person in that video as well as the apology video. So what's important? His brand or his marriage? That's what people were asking. That, I mean, that's what I was asking. Um, he was protecting his, his, I ain't gonna say it seemed like, 
he was protecting his his brain. He was in the mode where he was protecting his brain by including his wife into the apology video, doing the commentary of the apology video. He was it was actually to the point where he was commenting on the video and the comments that other people were making. He was commenting on it, making jokes, LOLing, and all that other stuff. He was protecting his brain. That was what was seemed like it's more important to him at this moment, his brain. I mean, because when you think about it, if his brain falls, what is he going to do? How is he going to protect his, you know, how is he going to protect his family? How is he going to provide for his family or whatever? And you know how how important that is to a black man to provide for his family and such. So that could have been the reason why his wife even included herself in the apology video. She could have included herself in the apology video because he was controlling. Who knows? There's so many theories and rumors out here that, you know, you can go so many ways. It's to the point where even in the commentary video that he did of the apology, it's rumors and it's suggestions out there that he even did that in front of one of his mistress's houses. Because it's stuff that's been coming out continuously, continuously coming out based off of the blogger that I mentioned earlier on Wine with Tasha. She is on a war path to get rid of this dude. <laughs> and this is what I'm talking about. You have to question your character when it when you go out your way to out your way to try to destroy somebody, no matter what they did. It's like. Are you more concerned about their life or are you more concerned about your life? You taking away so much energy by, by putting it into exposing somebody else away from what you could be doing for yourself. But at the same time, as I said, she's trying to build her brain. She's trying to keep her brain going. So everything is about brain. Everything is about fucking brain these days. When you think about social media, everything is about brains. It's a brain mindset. And it's on at all times with people. Social media, period. On brain all the time. He can't even separate the character from the person. He can't separate the brain from the from the person. His brain is more important to him than his humanity, his humility. It's hard to take people seriously when their brain is more important than important than who they are as a person. I mean, seriously. His brain is more important to him than his humanity, his humility, his character, his worth, his morals.
You got people on social media making memes of him and stuff, which is fine. You knew that was coming. That's that's standard for social media these days, the memes and stuff. But the thing that I found um, just totally effed up, fucked up, was people making memes about his wife. Making memes about his wife, joking about his wife, how she looked, how she dressed and stuff. I mean, she is already going through enough, and you got people really joking and making fun of her. I mean, that 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 shows a lot about your character. She's already going through enough. And the, and the crazy thing about it is, like, nobody is immune to being cheated on. But that goes back to what I was saying about people loving the misery Love's company scenario. People love that. People love to feed off of people's pain. Hurt people hurt people. All these people sitting here talking about some why she's still in a marriage, why she's staying with him and stuff like that. And granted, you may have those boundaries in a romantic relationship, but you ain't got those boundaries every fucking way. You sitting at a fucking job that you don't like, that you getting treated like some bullshit, but you staying in that. So I don't want to hear no bullshit about no no stuff where she she is dumb for staying in a relationship and all that other stuff. Because there's plenty of relationships that people have stayed in, romantic or platonic, work, whatever, that you shouldn't have stayed in, but you stayed in. And don't make it seem like when people love somebody that is just a snap of the finger that you can just walk away. <laughs> the audacity, the audacity of fucking people, the audacity of us to sit here and judge them. And I'm sitting here saying this as a person who was waiting for this to happen to Derek Jackson because I knew it was going to happen because I just felt it. I just felt it. I just know that a dude who portrays this narrative of being the good man and marketing themselves or their brand to women was full of shit. They're full of shit. Because if you're really concerned about black women, you be trying to empower black men to get themselves right. Black man, black man, get yourselves right. Go to therapy, do something. People sitting here talking about his wife and stuff. Um, you know, she's heavy with the church uh, narrative, with the lingo and stuff like that. And that's fine, you know. Whatever you, whatever you have to do to, whatever you need to lean on to, you know, feel better or to keep yourself um, energized, inspired, all of that. Use it. These are tools for us to use. But at the same time, I'm still going to look at it like people are holding on to brains instead of taking that mask off 
and investing into their sales, into their well-being, into their healing, into their self-value, their self-worth. I'm speaking this from experience. I just had a therapy session Thursday that whooped my ass because I had to deal with some revelations and some tough questions that I already knew was there, but I actually had to be honest about it with myself, with my therapist, and we aren't honest with ourselves. We like to hold on to, to brands, whether it be religion, Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, whatever, or whatever, you know, brand or narrative we want to throw out there, relationship grueling, all that bullshit. Because I look at it like it's bullshit. I honestly do. I've questioned many a times why the church, particularly the black church, focus so much on relationships as opposed to getting yourself right individually. I feel as though that his wife is probably dealing with some sort of identity crisis. There's been rumors and suggestions out there that, you know, she... Even before, you know, dating Dirk Jackson, because she was dating him for a while. Um, and the rumor and the suggestions out there is that he's been cheating for a while. But the rumor and suggestions have been as though that she's dealt with a lot of stuff even before she started dating Dirk Jackson. That she's had to deal with, like, uh, uh, rape, sexual assault, and stuff like that. So she's... She's dealing with an identity crisis. That's that's what I feel. I'm not speaking this based off of the rumors and the suggestions and stuff, but this is just my observation of things. I feel as though that she's dealing with an identity crisis. She's so focused on the religion that she's dealing with and, you know, keeping the whole of that, which is not bad. You know, use, use whatever tools you have. There's nothing wrong with that. But I feel that she's not really dealing with the things that she is gone she's gone through and she's going through internally you're so focused on um being connected to a brand which is religion and stuff like that you're not really dealing with the stuff that you got going on with, with yourself and that goes back to the stuff that I've said about religion and how religion don't really take their brand take their mask off, take their brain off, and actually help people deal with the things that they're going through. So Derek Jackson and his wife talked about, you know, they're, you know, dealing with it, the blood of Jesus, God, and, and all that other stuff, the grace of God and all that, which is fine, which is fine. But these professional tools, there are professional tools in place to help them even further. And I feel as though that we get so caught up into these brands, the brand of religion and stuff like that, and the stigma that these brands throw out there that we won't go to see a professional. We won't go to therapy. We won't deal with the issues that we have internally. We will just still sit here and wait on, on somebody or something to release us from it instead of doing the work ourselves. I don't know Dirk Jackson personally. 
And as I stated, I feel as though that he's a narcissist. I feel as though that he may need some serious help. Some serious help. I feel as though, you know, all the advice, excuse me, all the advice that he's given and stuff was to help him in some sort of way, whether it's him getting women, selling books or whatever. But he needs professional help. Him and his wife need professional help individually and if they decide to do it together, together. But all the stuff that I'm seeing on social media and stuff, people just act like they got relationships down pat, you know. People talk about, oh, well, she shouldn't be staying. Um, I wouldn't be dealing with that and all this other stuff. Man, the older that I've gotten and the more and more that I've been going to therapy and, and learning about relationships, communication, and being vulnerable, intimacy and stuff, nobody, nobody fucking has that shit figured out. This is stuff that we should have been learning when we were little kids. If our parents wasn't teaching this, this is something that we should have been learning in, in, in school. How to conduct ourselves um, in relationships, how to communicate properly, how to respect people, about morals, all that other stuff. Nobody has it fucking figured out. Nobody. And we're fucking sitting here lying to ourselves, acting like that we know what to do in a relationship. We don't. Nobody does. Some people may have, may be on a better road or better path than others, but, but nobody had it figured out. You had to learn this, and some people are more open and self-aware to learning about these things than others. But the audacity of us to sit here and to be investing so much time into these two people's relationship to act like we know what is the right thing for them to do. Particularly based off of our lives. <laughs> I feel comfortable enough to say the things that I'm saying because I am in therapy right now. I've dealt with cheating on cheating in a relationship, being cheated on. So I understand the ins and out of why a person may have cheated or you know you not having your needs fulfilled or you having uh rejection issues abandonment issues or you having attachment issues or anything like that and that let's be for real we know people cheat we know people cheat and we 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 know that when it comes down to it, ultimately the person who cheats, that's the person who has the problem. But that's, let's not sit here and, and, and act like that being in a relationship, when you aren't having certain voids fulfilled, that naturally, based off of the natural... Um, I'm I'm rubbing my chest right now. <laughs> the natural feelings, the natural vibes of the situation that you won't go out and seek it from other people. It don't matter 
how far you go in that process of doing it. The natural, the natural vibe, the natural uh, feeling of a person is it's bound to happen at some point. If you aren't feeling, if you aren't getting fulfilled in the relationship, don't make it seem like everybody just be like, because you see people all the time saying, well, if you ain't getting fulfilled or whatever, if this ain't happening, or if you ain't getting this or whatever, just leave. Bullshit. You know that ain't happening. We got to stop lying to ourselves. That That is the problem. We sit here and lie to ourselves all the time based on what sounds correct to the public. We know good and well if you're in a relationship and you ain't getting your your needs fulfilled or void fulfilled that it is natural to seek it out from somebody else. Whether you're doing it consciously or unconsciously, it's going to happen. But that is the importance of healing. That is the importance of healing. Let me take a sip. I still think it's effed up that people making jokes and shit about his wife. And then that nigga, he, uh, <laughs> excuse my language, he, um, sitting here commenting on the, on the jokes and stuff and, and laughing with the people. It's crazy. People talking about her having a bonnet on and it was really a hat. And he commenting on it and laughing and stuff. It's wild, man. The world we live in. It's like people don't really want to take responsibility or be accountable for the shit that they do or the shit, you know, that they've gone through and how that projects onto other people and even themselves. People talking about her sanity and uh, her mind state and stuff like that. You don't know what she's gone through. Like I said, there's it's, it's plenty of rumors and suggestions out there about what she what she went through even before she started dating him. Uh, losing her father, uh, being raped and stuff like that. You don't know what she goes through. She could have... I, I've... I've known people who have been raped and stuff like that that have gone through body issues that don't want to dress a certain way, that dress kind of, um, they they cover themselves up and stuff because they aren't comfortable with their body based off of the things that they have gone through. You just don't know what humiliating things or what type of trauma that somebody has gone through to make them present themselves a certain way. And to me... This is not, you know, this is just my opinion. She has gone through some things, even before him. And her going through them things even before him probably attracted her to him. He was probably controlling. He's probably, you know, he he has that, those narcissistic those tendencies and traits and stuff like that. He could easily manipulate her and stuff. And it seems like 
based off of the things that I've learned about the mistresses that he's had, that he knows what women to go after to get whatever he needs. I'm just like, it's a quote by, uh, let me sidestep real quick. It's a quote by Carl Jung. It says, everything that irritates us about others can lead us to an understanding of ourselves. I'm, I'm saying that quote for the simple fact that everything that all these people are getting irritated about with his wife and stuff like that, you're getting irritated, you're getting affected by it for a reason. Because to some degree, you have dealt with it you're dealing with it, and you're projecting it on her. You're projecting what you know you should be doing or you should have done on to her or him. And like I said, you know what I'm saying, misery loves company, and people are gravitating towards this because of the shit that they have gone through or going through right now. I mean, be honest with yourselves. It's a familiar, it's a familiar pain. As I, I mean, as I've already stated, you know, he could very well be a narcissist. And just thinking back, um, when I talked about the, uh, what was that, uh, let me look it up, what was that Netflix movie? Well, um, let me see. I'm looking it up right now. Bear with me for a second. That that movie when I discussed about uh, Malcolm and Marie was Zendaya and uh, David Washington in it. Denzel Washington, son. And how that movie was shot in black and white. We tend to look at things only as when we're looking at other people's situations. We all we tend to just look at it at everything as black and white. You know, whether it's good or bad. Everything is not that that simple. Everything isn't black and white. Everything isn't good and bad. There's always layers to shit. And that's what I'm talking about. You don't know what what his wife has gone through in her life before meeting him. Or even while she was with him. You don't know what he's gone through in his life before he got his fame and all that other stuff. We don't know. We we really don't know. But we, we always tend to just look at things as being just black and white. And I'm saying we because it's, it's myself as well. I'm included in it as well. We just don't know what 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 happened in their lives or even what's going on in their relationship or happened in their relationship. At some point in your life, you have been looked at as a bad person. You've been looked at as a villain. And you, nine times out of ten, you didn't like it. You didn't. Sometimes you will be looked at as being wrong. 
you'll be looked at as being a bad person or having the wrong view or doing something wrong or being immoral or whatever. That's going to happen in your life if it hasn't happened already, but I'm sure it has happened already. But it's to the point where we have to start accepting that other people will have different perspectives of the way that we we move in our lives or the things that we do, the things that we say or or whatever, you know. That's just that's just what it is. I just feel like we have to take we have to be more self-aware with what's going on with ourselves. and But we tend to invest so much time and energy into other people's lives. Celebrities, we got the celebrity worship. Um, these social media influencers, these people are human just like us. It is it's nothing different about them than it is about you. You have to learn that and accept that. They are no better than us. They aren't. We are all human. They may just have more followers. They just may have more money, but that doesn't make them better than us. You are a unique person. Nobody can be you. But we tend to just release that fact, release our energy, and put it towards everything that has to do with a celebrity or somebody better than us. And that goes, that, that's deeper. That's deeper than, than just, you know, enjoying somebody. That, that speaks to your self-value and your self-worth. I just feel as though, you know, if he, I'm going to say it again, if if he really felt, if he was really concerned about black women, his focus would have been on empowering black men to go, you know, seek uh, therapy, to get more in touch with their emotions, their feelings, to be better communicators, you know, not concern them, you know, not compare themselves to another man, all that, you know. Ladies, I've said this time and time again, watch out for these dudes that market or perpetuate a narrative solely to you. Those are the bammers you got to watch out for. <laughs> That's why just going through uh, my mental health advocacy and starting out, I feel as though that I need to put more attention towards empowering and encouraging black men to get better because I'm like, an, I feel as though I'm a living example of it. It's the biggest red flag is when you don't have humility. And Dirk Jackson never had humility. All the things that he will always say, it was never, he would never have no type of humility in it. He would never speak to anything that he has done or been through or anything. 
the more and more that I grow, the more and more I go to therapy, I have no problem speaking about the bullshit that I've done, the bullshit that I've gone through, because I know that it doesn't define me. It is just a moment in my life. It's a lesson in my life for me to get better. I pray for them. Um, I don't, I'm not excited about him being exposed. I knew it was going to happen, though. <laughs> I mean, I honestly did. But I'm not going to lie and say that when it first happened, I didn't get excited. I did. I did. <laughs> I did like, yeah, uh, <laughs> about time. But I don't ever want to see nobody going through the type of shit that they are going through right now. His wife and him as well. He needs help. She needs help. We all need help. I mean, seriously. We got to stop focusing on these brands and everybody wanting to have a brand on social media. A taste to consider, greatest I am, is you can, you can say it's my brand. Yes, you can say it's my brain. It is my brain. But I will not try to convince nobody that I'm something other than who I am. I'm going to cuss on this joke. I'm going to say things that people don't like because that's how I truly feel. I don't, I'm not concerned about being famous. I'm not concerned about being popular. I'm just not. If who I am as a person and the, the views that I have, the opinions that I have make my brand suffer, I'm fine with that. Because I'd rather there not be a separation between who I am as a man and my brand. I want it to be one and the same. One and the same. I really do. I can go on and on about this topic, honestly, but let me play this clip right here. I thought this was a great clip. Great, great clip. Um, this is uh, Kyrie Irving. Perception of yourself? That's, the, that's another root of human, human struggle, worrying about other people's perceptions about who you are. <laughs> like, why would you ever care about that, you know? And I think that I fell victim to that in my, in my past of worrying about things that I can't control. You know, if the people understood what words could do to a human being, especially where we are in today's society, then they wouldn't, they wouldn't be invested in that. So I don't, I'm not here to dispel anything. You can continue to ask other people around me about what they think about me and continue to write about mood swings. Like, you know, human beings have mood swings. <laughs> like you go home and you're, you're not happy with things or you're, mad at something and you're happy, that's a mood swing. <laughs> it's okay to be human. Like, I don't have to be perfect for anyone here, nor do I have to be perfect for the public. So I'm not here to dispel any perception. I'm just here to be myself. I'm just here to be my fucking self. Man, I'll tell you, the start of this year has been a difficult one for me because I've been faced with people trying to make me look, make me out to look a certain way. And over the course of my life, based off of 
me having uh, low self-esteem, um, low self-worth, low self-value. I've catered to people's ideals of me and what I should be. Dealing in, dealing, dealing with people in groups and, and business and stuff like that, people will always want you to be what they want you to be based off of the shit that they're going through. And I fell victim to that. I was too concerned about what people thought of me. And I cowered. I cowered. I let a lot of stuff go. I, I didn't put boundaries in place because I didn't want, because of the the self-abandonment, the, the re, self-rejection as that I that I'm dealing with, you know, my inner child, the stuff that I've I've dealt with with my inner child. I, I wanted people to accept me, to to like me, to love me, and stuff like that. And I didn't be myself. Fuck them brains. Fuck what people think about you. Be you. And it has been a struggle for me to let go of people's perceptions of me. And I found out how people really looked at me over the past couple of months. And I had to really say to myself, that ain't got shit to do with you. That's on them. Because in my heart of hearts, I know that I didn't do anything wrong in certain situations. Yes, I played roles in certain situations, and I'll acknowledge and accept those roles. But don't make, don't let nobody define who you are as a person based off of their insecurities. You don't have to prove yourself to anyone. It is not your job to change people's perceptions of you. Some things may be valid. Of course. Of course they will. Because nobody is never right. Some things will be valid. And that's where it comes your ability to be self-aware, to acknowledge and accept those things. But you don't have to accept everything that somebody is throwing at you. You don't. Everybody will be entitled to their opinions. Everybody. Fuck them brains, man. I'm telling you. Take those those masks off. I mean, shit. Brand off, mask off. As long as you hold attachments to them brains, the masks will stay on. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to be right. It's okay to have a different opinion. It's okay to have a different perspective. But that doesn't mean that it defines who you are. 
Y'all know I always end each episode with a song. It's a taste to consider podcast. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. Follow me on a taste to consider podcast. The link is in the bio. Greatestiamblog.com. Instagram, greatest.i.am.blog. If you want to support the show, follow, like, share, download. Let's get to this song. Of course, I always, each song has to do with the episode in some degree. So, I'm not trying to be funny. But, I thought this was a good song. And it, I mean, it deals with the episode. Let's go. <laughs> Everybody cheat, right? <laughs> Come on. Don't act like everybody don't cheat. Everybody cheat in some type of way. Oh, I can never affair with nobody else but you. You sexy ass hair, but you know my girlfriend too. She say things about you, like how you's a freak at night. How you do things she never, I never get the pleasure. Because of the morning after The shame she would feel inside The lecture I'd have to sit through How her mama raised her right Y'all both rock different hairdos But y'all kinda look alike I know the way I tell it sounds wrong But it feels so right Girl, girl, girl I'm cheating on my Girl, girl, girl this is Duele. I'm cheating. You drink more than my girl. While she keeps the business pause. She dress warm in the summer. While you don't wear any clothes. Remembering the other day. Doesn't have the long stem roses. You told me never ever. Send roses, you would rather me send them to the other. And then you took off your clothes. You asked me who I wanted, the nasty one, I suppose. We tussled into the moonlight, a break from my everyday world. I fell asleep with my love affair and woke up next to my girl. Yeah, yeah. Say, sick and sit apart, guys. I'm your host. Derek Silver. Girl, 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 girl,
Y'all gotta let people do what they wanna do in relationships. If they wanna stay, let them stay. It ain't none of your business. Stop projecting your shit on them, man. Seriously. Taste Sickness to the Podcast. I'm your host, Dirk Silver, and I'm out.